Welcome to another episode of Should You Take That Case with your host, Lisa Wade, your friendly neighborhood legal nurse consultant, owner of Wade Nurse Consultants, and creator of our private LinkedIn community, the Attorney Medical Record Resource Group. That is where we get all of our stellar attorney guests. The goal of our show is to be a resource for legal professionals who pursue medical cases by sharing their experience and insights as defense or as plaintiff attorneys. You can catch prior episodes at www.wadenurseconsultants.com slash blog on LinkedIn and on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Born. Now here's the host of Should You Take That Case, Lisa Wade. We are live. Welcome, everyone, to a brand new episode of should you take that case it's another medical monday or a medical record monday that's what i call it <laughs> and, uh, the goal of our show is in usually to be a resource for legal professionals who pursue medically related cases or medical issues in those cases by sharing our experiences and insights as defense or plaintiff attorneys and we are going to, oh, let me introduce myself first. <laughs> I'm Lisa Wade, your legal nurse consultant host, and I am owner of Wade Nurse Consultants. But not just that, I am also the creator of our private LinkedIn community, the Attorney Medical Record Resource Group. So take a peek at us in LinkedIn and see if that's something you can get behind. We use this as an opportunity to get to know one another, and we're going to be doing that today with our guest, David Cohen. But before we do that, Let's scoot over to the comment section, see who's visiting us live today. If you are an attorney, put an A in that chat so we can see you and say hello. If you're a paralegal, put a P. A legal assistant, put an L. But if you are a part of one of my favorite groups, Women Owned Law, put a W in that chat. Women Known Law is a wonderful, groundbreaking group created to connect and advance women legal entrepreneurs. So visit us at womenownlaw.org and take a peek. See if that is something you can get behind. Now, usually I give a little introduction for our guests, but we're going to do that Today, a little differently, we're going to bring our guest on and he's going to tell us a little bit about himself. And here you are, Dave. How are you doing? Hi. How are you? Hi there. Nice I would say nice to meet you, but we've been chatting for about 15 minutes so far. Yes. I can't say that. Yeah. Oh, well, it's wonderful to see you virtually. At Same least. here. Same here. Maybe well, in well, person. No, yeah, people don't realize we're actually seated two feet apart in the same room. <laughs> yes, yes, okay. I can just, nope. hey, or hey. <laughs> when I'm doing the wrong side because we're inverted right now. Yeah, That's funny. That yeah. is funny, Dave. Well, Dave Cohen, tell us a little bit about you before we well, get started. Absolutely. So 
Um, as you can tell by looking at me, I've been a lawyer for a long time. <laughs> uh, I think I'm a 32-year lawyer, and I've been doing almost exclusively nursing home abuse cases for about 23 years of those 32. So it's all I do. Uh, you know, there's exceptions here and there, but probably 95 or more percent of what I do is this. And I love what I do because I hate what happens. Mm-hmm. And where do you do most of that work? What part of the the country are you hanging yeah. out? So I've, I'm only licensed in New Jersey. Um, so I practice the entire state from Cape May up to Warren County. Um, I handle Cape, and I know you know New Jersey, uh, but I will go from the very bottom of the state, which is below the Mason-Dixon line. Not everyone realizes that. And I will go all the way up to the far north uh, where we're near upstate New York. I'll handle cases everywhere. Uh, I'm a certified civil trial attorney, which means I sat for a special exam and I had to get a bunch of judges to say I'm not a jerk uh, <laughs> and lawyers to say the same, which I'm not. Uh, but yeah, I, I got endorsed by my peers and by judges. So uh, I limit my practice to civil litigation. And I also lecture all over the country about this area of law. So I've been oh, doing right. that for many years. So, Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yes. And, and the yeah. name of your practice? We are Cohen Kolodny Abuse Analytics, LLC. Uh, we have a, a pretty robust website. It's just abuseanalytics.com. And oh. like you, I, I, like to, I like to educate people with whatever I've learned over the years. Uh, I love doing what we're doing right now. I love doing it live. I love doing it on a uh, webcast like yours, which is great. Uh, so I, I really do enjoy what I do. And I love listening to other people teach because, uh, you know, it, it, I'm a lifelong legal learner in addition to life's challenges and uh, successes and all that stuff. Excellent. Well, I'm yes. so happy to have you with us today and for, to have you share all of your knowledge with us. Uh, thank you. Thank you. It, it, right. It's a lot of, yeah. So, so start pepper me with questions. I dare you. Well, here you go. <laughs> well, first we're, we're going to talk all about a little bit more about medical records and how they p crop up during yes. your, your yeah. cases for sure. But first we want to know a little more about you. What led you to be a, an attorney? Uh, and like I said, I tell everybody, you can go back as far as to, to high school to, yeah. to elementary school, to the crib. How did you get to yeah. be an attorney? I had no ambition to be an attorney. I had no expectation of practicing law um, out of an abundance of tremendous uh, immaturity. As a senior in college, I simply thought, I don't want this to end. Um, that's it. There was, I had no wisdom as a college senior. So I thought I want, I, you know, I was a hard worker all through. I mean, I've worked since I was maybe 10 or 11 with cutting lawns and things like that. So I'm a hard worker, but I just hadn't found myself ready to enter the real world full time yet. So I took the LSATs with, you know, all the people who are lawyers know this, but it's like the SAT for lawyers. And I did well enough on that with my decent grades to get into law school. And that was it. There was not a minute more of thought that went into it. I had no concept of what it would mean to be a lawyer. Uh, I, I had no forethought uh, as to what kind of life I was either looking away from or looking toward. I simply had this thought, I don't want this to end. I'm enjoying college. That was it. 
You yeah. sound like legally blind, Al <laughs> <El> Woods. <laughs> That's right. You just decided, well, I'll be a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think I look a lot like her. <laughs> I get that all the time. Well, I, I yeah. can not see the resemblance exactly, but maybe later. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. But, well, you know, let's let's dive into a little bit more about how do you get the cases that that you work okay. on? Do you uh, you know, sometimes cases may come up that you might decide they're they're not really worth pursuing. What you know, how do you decide if something is uh, mm -hmm. good to pursue yeah. or not to pursue or to pass on and refer to somebody else? Right. Uh, great question. So, you know, again, having done this for so many years, the, the number one issue for a nursing home case, I want a good family. I want a family who is devoted to their loved one, a family who cared about their loved one. If we see a really good, strong case that sounds in powerful malpractice issues, but we have a family who warehoused mom or dad, we don't take it. We will not do it. Uh, and, and there's a million reasons. Um, you know, I said a little earlier, I love what I do and I wouldn't love what I do if I represented people who were just, you know, trying to financially gain and really are not emotionally invested in their loved one. So that that's the first thing. And there's a practical reason too. It's not, it, it's rooted in, you know, you know my, my outlook about life and law. And my partner, Elliot Kolodny, we're of the same mind. He's, he's my best friend and not just my partner, which worked out great. But, you know, we, we want to care about our clients. We want to care about our coworkers. We want to care about what we do. And that's, that's the selfish piece of it, right? But then the practical piece of it is that, if we were to represent someone who didn't care about mom or dad, that would resonate through the entire legal process. Uh, if they're sitting down for a deposition, uh, it would become apparent quite readily that they didn't care about their loved one. Okay. Uh, it would make the defense less interested in sitting down and chatting with us. If we went all the way to trial, the jury would punish them for doing what's obvious. You know, I, I mean, I ran a focus group in, was it Austin? I think it was Austin. Could have been Vegas. I literally don't remember because I've been to so many. But we had 100 lawyers in the audience. And I was doing the opening for the plaintiff. And a really dear friend of mine from Texas uh, was doing the opening for the defendant. And one of the things he brilliantly did uh, was point out a few weaknesses in our pretend fact pattern that, that showed uh, that they, they were kind of warehousing mom. And, um, and again, this was a pretend fact pattern. Um, but you know, when we talked to all the lawyers afterwards who were, our, you know, our focus group, uh, that resonated with them, you know? Um, and, and I think there's a psychology or a psychological piece of that, that, you know, if, if, if you study the reptile as an example, which is a whole trial strategy that, uh, Don Keenan and David Ball developed. One of the things that will resonate with people is that they don't, they're worried that, oh my God, if this happened to your client, this can happen to my wife, my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister. Mm -hmm. and, if, and if they perceive that this happened because, and I could put air quotes, you know, around the word because, if this happened because this person was abandoned by their family, whether that's medically true or not, and it probably wouldn't be true, suddenly they feel better. Oh, thank God. That's not something that I have to worry about for mom or dad. This is just a bad person 
mm-hmm. you know, who will let it happen. It's almost like, you know, you hear stories, people feel less sympathy for someone when they find out that, that someone's ill, but they brought it upon themselves through certain, you know, health life choices. Mm-hmm. People get less worried about their own longevity. Well, I don't have that habit. You know, like a classic example would be smoking. You know, you hear yeah. about someone who has, you know, you know, uh, has a heart attack. And then you find out that they were a five pack a day person. Suddenly the sympathy factor goes down a little bit. It shouldn't because they're still a person, but the self, the fear goes away a bit. Oh, I don't smoke. I'm a little more safe. So, so in the screening of cases, the reason we, we won't take a case with a bad family is just for, you know, for what I told you, but there is a practical benefit to that is that those kind of cases really, they, they don't really have good traction because they, they shouldn't be around anyway. Hmm. Well, it's, and that's uh, even before the medical. That's even before we get into the medicine. Mm-hmm. Well, well, it it's it sounds like you are looking for clients that are genuine and and families mm-hmm. looking for justice. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And you know, we our clients they'll cry to us on the phone frequently. I'll cry with my clients. You know, not all the time, but you know, sir, every so often there there is there is a story we hear and it. it you know, it, it touches an emotional nerve and, you know, I'll, I'll sit at a deposition and, and we'll get worked up. We had many years ago, I had a nursing home case. Uh, it went to mediation uh, and it settled. Uh, and this one was against, it was against a nursing home that was within a hospital, sort of hybrid between a nursing home and a hospital. And we were done. And I was there with the daughter, myself, the mediator and the defense attorney. And in attendance, but in the other room, was the risk manager of the um, facility who was a nurse. And um, we were done, so everything was locked up. And she knocked on the door, you know, come on in. And she said, could I just say something to your client, Mr. Cohen? I said, of course. And she starts weeping, and she says, I'm sorry. Mom deserved better than that. And we all started crying. And, And everyone hugged. Like, you know, because she couldn't say those words while there was litigation, yeah. you know, and as soon as that was relieved, and it was such amazing closure for the family, for the nurse who was disappointed that her staff didn't really rise to the occasion, which happens mm-hmm. sometimes, or, or we wouldn't be having this discussion, you know, yeah. but, uh, but it was really a beautiful moment, a truly beautiful moment mm-hmm. after something horrible had occurred. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I understand when, when you're a nurse, I've been a nurse for well over 30 years, you know, taking care of people, uh, it doesn't really matter so much how, how things happen. If you're taking care right. of somebody that has uh, lung cancer, whether it was, you know, uh, from secondhand smoke or from, from a habit they've had, you take care of them the same way. Yeah, and you love them regardless. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. So next question is, yes, yes. I hope now with those medical records, and there can be piles and piles and piles of them, but when yeah. they rear their ugly heads in your types of cases, do you have any specific routine or protocol for managing and reviewing those records? Yeah, I, I think I... I diverge from much of my brethren and my approach. 
Um, I know how to review a medical record as well as, you know, most lawyers who do what I do can. So it's not that I can't and it's not that I don't know how. But my preference is to engage in that process after the Lisa Wades of the world uh, will take a look at them first. So what I like to do is once we amass whatever records we think we need, and those aren't always all the records we need, they're just the records we think we need at that point. Excuse me. I will then, or our staff will, then everything is digitized. You know, we try to order them digitized, and if they come in, on paper, we, we digitize them, and we have really nice high-speed scanners. So everything is in a nice, clean package. And then our paralegal team will then create a hyperlink, which allows the Lisa Wades of the world to just tap on that and then up will populate, you know, the five hospital admissions, the two nursing home admissions, uh, the visiting nurses association records and things like that, the VNA records. And then what I like to do is have, and it depends on what jurisdiction one is in, in New Jersey, we're safe to do it. I'm allowed to have my experts send me a draft report that is not discoverable. So it's, and, and it's, and it's, I think it's probably getting to the point where it's most states uh, when I first started doing the nursing home work, and I think around 98, that, that, that we had a rule change that either happened right before or right after that. So I've only lived in that atmosphere, that legal atmosphere. So what I like to do to answer your question is I like to have a professional look at those records, but that person has to have an understanding of what brought the clients into my office. And that person has to have an understanding of what my perspective of what I think at that juncture, my case is or is not about. And then he or she can then take a look at the records and give me a draft report. Then I feel like I could be much more targeted in how I approach the records. Mm -hmm. And are there times when I'll look at the records raw before my nurse or my doctor looks at them? Of course. I mean, there, there was once a time uh, when I got a case and I was so excited to get the records because I knew what the case was about, I actually sat in the parking lot of the nursing home. My client went to the nursing home, got the records, gave, got the box, handed it to me in my car. I sat in my car and I found three instances of false charting before I left the parking lot. Oh, boy. But, but usually I don't do that. You know, usually I, I want to get sort of the, the, the big roadmap of what happened here from my expert, and then I like to attack the records. And really, I might do targeted reviews. You know, I might, I want, might want to look at the MAR, the medication, I know you know this, but the medication administration record, the TAR, the treatment, yeah. I know and, about that. <laughs> yeah, I know, I'm thinking about our other folks in case we have some. Non, All right. Yeah, that's who I'd said it for, not for you, but in case anyone else doesn't know. And um, so I might target it, or at the physician orders and things like that. But I want I want the I want Lisa to to give me a call and say, Dave, you're going nowhere with the pressure ulcer claim, and here's why. But you know, there's some contractures that shouldn't have happened because your client was denied the physical therapy that was in this physician's order. So now you just saved me five, six, seven hours of work of trying to be a nurse consultant, which I'm not. <laughs> you know, and now I'm going to look at a different part of the chart. Excellent. So, well, yeah. Hey, it sounds like you have a good plan, a good structured way to manage those records. And yeah. uh, everybody doesn't. So. Yeah. It, and I, I have so many friends who are wonderful attorneys, 
but they'll get a medical chart in and they'll just attack it alone for six, seven hours. And, and, and I know that, you know, I, I have a sense, at least for me, of how my time is best invested to help my clients. Mm-hmm. And to me to do that with, you know, like rudderlessly, which I don't think is a word, but you know, <laughs> but you know, rudder- <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, so for me to just attack records for that period of time, maybe I will spend four or five hours on that, you know, not worth pursuing pressure ulcer piece of a case that maybe it's a pressure ulcer case. That's why they came to me, but it turns out it's really a malnutrition dehydration case. Ah. And and Lisa tells me that, and that wasn't even on my client's radar, but now I can start exploring that. Mm -hmm. So I, I do not, most lawyers who do what I do, they have this thing. They love to look at the records themselves first. And I don't. (laughs) <laughs> All I'm right. not saying I'm right, but that's my approach. I yeah. think you are right. <laughs> that's okay for me to say. I think it you is are okay for you really to say. right. So, yeah. but when you do dive into those records yourself, what do you find, if anything, is your biggest pet peeve with, or most frustrating thing when when exploring those records? Yeah. So it's so certainly over the last five, six, seven years, it's the EMRs. Mm-hmm. Um, when I look at a chart, the number one thing I look for is falsification. And it, it just, to me, if there isn't any, which obviously makes me happier for the facility and the other folks living there, for my case, if I don't see any, that says to me, all right, this, this is a case where maybe there was less than optimal care, but it suggests to me that either A, I didn't find the, the false charting, or B, this isn't a systemically flawed facility so much as a, a reasonably good facility that made some mistakes. That, that In the world of nursing, that's a gigantic difference. Because for our cases, we don't have people who walk in there expecting to be there three weeks and go back to their high-paying job. What makes our case valuable in terms of the remuneration we can give our clients or not is whether we can make the case about the facility as opposed to making it about specifically the injury our clients suffered. And don't get me wrong, you know better than I do, the suffering is real and it's significant. But when you have suffering for an individual who is very close to the end of, of their time here, and they didn't really have what most folks would consider to be a, a reasonably good quality of life beforehand, a, a potential jury is not going to find a reason to significantly award either the family if they're deceased or that person if they're still with us. But if I can paint a picture of, uh, of a facility that placed profits over the welfare of the people in the building, which usually is why people come in my, my office, our office, because that, that's nine times out of 10, that's what leads to the bad result, is the owner is not putting enough good boots on the ground to help people because they want to increase their profit. So when I attack a file, um, I'm trusting Lisa to look for the deviation-related issues or, or that they satisfy the, 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 um, the standard of care. And what I'm looking for are areas where I can figure out that they're just calling in the charting or worse yet, maybe they tried to fill it in later. Uh, so, yeah. so yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. the charting party, the charting party. <laughs> so I attack... If it's not an EMR, um, which is getting rarer and rarer these days, I'll look at either the MAR or the TAR 
or the ADL flow sheets. And then what I'll do is I'll grab a piece of paper and I will write down every time my client was hospitalized for more than, you know, a few hours. You know, they, they were they were in the hospital November 10th through the 17th, let's say, of whatever year we're talking about. So I'm going to look at November 11th through the 16th when I know they're not in the building. They're not in transition. They're 100% not in the building November 11th through 16th. And I could get more detail and look at what time they went from the nursing home to the hospital. But as a starting point, I'm going to look at the 11th through the 16th. I'll look the Mars and the TARS. You, if it's an EMR, it's automatic. You can't, you can't make an entry when they've been discharged. But if it's a manual one, and I will see a lot. I will see it very frequently. And these days, I'm getting it a lot in the ADL flow sheets where they will say, they washed mom up, they gave her a shower, they yeah. changed her dressing. And I know she's three miles down the road in the hospital. Yeah. And then I start taking depositions and then the DOM will say, I would fire someone if they did that in my building. Yeah. Um, and I'm, it's not a gotcha kind of thing. I yeah. think that's a, that's a reflection of the quality of the building that if, it, cause really I'm not blaming the individual. To me, what it means is that the individual is so overworked and spread so thin, they don't have the ability to do what the physician orders or, or the, you know, the care plan um, says they should do. And worse yet, then they're putting anything they can into the chart, not even remembering, maybe not being honest about it because they, all they wanna do is not get fired, do the best job they're able to do when it's one aid covering 35, 40 residents, right? It's not their that fault. Happens. Yeah, and it's that not their fault. Happen. It's never the nurses or the nurses' aides. Well, never, almost never. Mm -hmm. it, it's 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 the and it's not. It's usually not the don or the administrator. They're doing their best too. It's the owners who cheap out. <sighs> you know, and so you get either they're not spending enough money, so you get you know the not as good workers as you'd hope to get because they're not paying enough. But it's usually not even that. It's usually them trying to get the bare minimum so that they don't get cited for short staffing. And mm. then just getting by. And as I like to say, um, they should just be a little less rich. They can still be rich. Just a <laughs> little less. <laughs> just a little less. Put me out of business. I'll think of something else to do. It's fine. Yeah. Oh, it's it, you have a lot of good uh, insights, and you sounds like you've got a real a good handle on what goes well, on thanks. in nursing. Home. Yeah, I, I have a defense attorney friend of mine in Maryland, and he had this great quote. I don't know if he made it up, but every time I say it, I give him credit. Uh, he says, "I make fried chicken. It's all I do." You know, and, and now the, the irony is I used to make Kentucky fried chicken when I was in high school. So it really resonated with me because I know how to do that. But, but the, you know, I, I've only been doing this work for 22 years. So I better be reasonably good at it at this point because it's all I'm doing. You know, so I loved it because I, I complimented him. He's a very good lawyer. And he said, I make fried chicken. And, and it made perfect sense to me because he, he's focusing on one thing. And if you do that and you work hard, it's hard not to be reasonably good at it. You know, because, yeah. you know, we're not spreading ourselves too thin or we hope not to be. Oh. So, well, well, you've given wonderful information, wonderful advice. I am uh, sure a lot of those fledgling attorneys out there that are listening are, are getting good information. But do you have any any more tidbits of knowledge 
for those new attorneys or those veteran attorneys out there? Anything yeah, else? Yeah, I mean, I'll start with the new attorneys. Um, I, I really feel like it's important to figure out when you can, this will sound silly, but I, I, it's not, it isn't. When you can expose vulnerability to your adversary. And, and to me, the way we best help our clients is when we're lucky enough to have an adversary where there's real trust and you got to figure out how to navigate that. It short circuits so much uh, because I'll know when I talk to a young attorney about a case, let's say on the other side, and I'll say, look, I, here are my, these are the points about my case that I think are really strong, but here's my weaknesses. Let's start chatting about it. If they shut down and they, and they won't, they're either A, they're afraid to share with me. My, there's my thumb, it was off camera. Because we're backwards, I can't do it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, right. I'll do both thumbs, right? But so A. You don't have to do this for a living. So don't, yeah. don't worry. Yeah, right, right, right. So if, 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 if they can't concede, all right, you know, Dave, you've made a good point there. Um, and if they can't come back to me and say, yeah, and I, yeah, we might have a problem here because we had that false charting where, you know, they were saying they're treating your client, you know, when, when your client wasn't in the building. Now what it means is that I'll say, all right, all right. You know, now I have to start litigating harder. And I know I'm going to bring us back to the same place that, that that early conversation was at. They're going to cost the insurance company so much more money. My clients are going to have more emotional tumult because they're going to have to live through this longer and longer. I'll have to spend more money developing the case. And I'm not saying just jump right in and trust everyone because that would be crazy. But to, I think for younger attorneys to figure out and, and carefully navigate when they can really have trust with their adversary and then slowly start exposing cards so that the process that leads to where almost all these cases lead can happen in, in, in a more organic way that involves less of this. I think it's better for everyone. Uh, and I suppose for the seasoned attorneys is maybe just spend more time training the younger attorneys on all the wisdom that, that you know, we all have hopefully acquired over the years and just share with the younger attorneys. And, and I suppose where I will sometimes fail and then catch myself is I have to remind myself, what, you know, now that I've been doing, I've been a lawyer for 32, 33 years, whatever it is, you know, I have to remind myself when I'm dealing with a two, three, or even a 10-year lawyer, they're coming from such a different place. You know, part of my role is to give them a nice experience in the legal world and to recognize that their headspace, think about where mine was 30 years ago, 25 years ago, and treat them with, with a lot of respect so that they can grow and do the best job they can do for their clients and, and be in a sort of a nurturing legal environment. And I, I'll, it's, it's sometimes hard because I'll assume they know certain things that they don't know and shouldn't yet know. And my job is to sort of help them just the way older lawyers helped me when I was younger, even adversaries. Mm -hmm. Ah, well, it, it seems like you are good for uh, taking your knowledge and passing that on. I enjoy it. I mean, I'm a, I enjoy what we're doing right here. I can tell you're good at what you do. I, I, I love chatting oh, with you. you. Sure. <laughs> I am. <laughs> but
but it's wonderful having you and 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 having you here sharing all of your experiences and your knowledge and we're getting ready it's almost time for a little q a for you are you ready absolutely all right so (laughs) let me tell everybody anybody that's out there watching us live get your questions together for dave get ready to put them into the chat into the comments and he's going to answer them. So well, think about it. Maybe. Well, think about it. Give him a minute. Right? <laughs> Give him a minute. And while you're getting those questions together and you're getting ready to answer them, I'm going to take what I call a small sponsor break and tell everybody a little bit about Lisa Wade and Wade Nurse Consultants and what we do here. It won't take a minute. <laughs> take your time. Yeah. Without a review and summary of medical records, it may be harder for you as a new attorney, a fledgling attorney, or even an experienced attorney to, it might be harder to know if you should take that case. And I give attorneys a one to two page synopsis and opinion regarding the merits of those medically related cases. By using my 30 plus years of nursing experience to make quick work of those medical case screenings. So if you're watching this and you have a legal nurse consultant on the payroll, then this isn't for you. But if you are ready to attack any backlog of screenings that are sitting on your desk or you need to get clarity on medical issues to free yourself to focus on your legal strategies, here's what you do. Right now, we are offering a free 20-minute medical record strategy call to help you hone an efficient, timely, and cost-effective routine around your medical cases. So you will explore and look into the description box of this YouTube channel. Click on the link that you find there and schedule a consultation. And now, Back to our Q&A with Dave Cohen. Dave, do we have any questions yet? Let me take a peek. Not yet. But we we do have one comment from Anton Abraham, or Abram, I'm sorry. Anton, he says this has been a very insightful and a great chat. Let me show that. Can we we show it? Thank you. Thank you very much, Anton. I appreciate it. (laughs) Anton's going to be, he's an attorney, he's going to be on our show later this year too. So he'll get to tell everything that he knows and maybe he's learned a lot more from you right now. So And I'll learn from him when he talks. (laughs) That's good. Excellent. So it looks like we don't have any brand new questions right now, but I have a way to deal with that, Dave. Okay, I'm ready. This is what we do. We put all of your contact information into the description box of this YouTube channel. And anybody that comes across it on the replay, if they have any questions for you, they can contact you themselves. How's that sound? It's fantastic. And I appreciate it. And I invite anyone who has any questions. I love this. I love when people reach out with questions. So I'm good about answering them. If they call me, I'll call on my cell phone. They'll have my cell phone number. I'm not private about that. So absolutely. Excellent. 
Well, I think we're going to wind up for today, Dave. And let me just give uh, ask real quickly, will you do this again? Can we? Absolutely. I, I will. Absolutely. I would love to come back. This is fun. Excellent. Well, we would love to have you for sure. Absolutely. So, for now, let me give a little quick reminders for everybody out there to like our show, subscribe to this channel, turn on your notifications so you can know when we are on next and see more wonderful attorneys like Dave Cohen. And if you have any legal nurse consulting questions, email me at lisa at wadenurseconsultants with an s.com. And watch us when we are back here next week, Monday, 5.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for a brand new episode of Should You Take That Case? And thanks for coming, Dave. Oh, thank you so much. Great show. I really enjoyed it. Yay, you had fun. Absolutely. (laughs) See you all next time. Take care. Thanks for watching and listening to another episode of Should You Take That Case with your host, Lisa Wade, your friendly neighborhood legal nurse consultant, owner of Wade Nurse Consultants, and creator of our private LinkedIn community, the Attorney Medical Record Resource Group. That is where we get all of our stellar attorney guests. The goal of our show is to be a resource for legal professionals who pursue medical cases by sharing their experiences and insights as defense or as plaintiff attorneys. You can catch prior episodes at www.wadenurseconsultants.com slash blog on LinkedIn and on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Thank you for subscribing to our YouTube channel and sharing this show with others. 